You're listening to the City Church Tallahassee podcast. For more information about City Church, please visit us online at citychurchtallahassee.com. Good morning. Thankful for Lisa Kelly's story. I call her Coach Kelly. Uh, She had state championship rings as a head basketball coach at Florida High uh, back in the day, and she's a huge part of this church. And I just love her honesty about how she is serving here because she wants to reach the next generation. She wants to open her hands wide to the Lord and say, use me, use my time, use my resources. And that's what this Let's Go vision has been all about, about us going all in to take the gospel from our church for our city of Tallahassee and to the world. Uh, You might be here today and go, oh my word, I don't ever really come here, and I came on Money Day. This is not money day. Uh, It's vision time here. And I hope you want to be a part of a church that has purpose and is alive and is ambitious uh, to reach people for Jesus, to send missionaries around the world. Let's go is an all-encompassing practice of all this coming together uh, to say we want to see the gospel keep going forward in Tallahassee. We want to be a part of the local church. uh, We want to see the gospel go and reach our friends and neighbors and send more missionaries around the world. And we keep seeing that happening by God's grace. Thanks for being a part of this church. We've been going through the book of Acts since January, just going verse by verse. Even though we're in a let's go season, uh, we're still going through the book of Acts because we think that the book of Acts is the original let's go, uh, where God called the church to go and proclaim the good news, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we're people here today who actually believe that Jesus really was the one he claimed to be. That makes us weird or strange or freaks or whatever anyone wants to say. We actually believe the tomb is empty, and because Jesus rose from the grave, it means that all of us who know Jesus will rise one day too. The gospel is good news. We're not angry people. We are happy people. And not all the time. We have things happen. Our, we don't ignore the hardships. Or we don't ignore the trials we go through, the grief we go through. But we're ultimately happy and joyful in Jesus because we believe that he has promised us that he'll be with us forever. That's why we call the gospel good news. Isn't it good news? Let's pray together and then we'll jump in. Our Father, we are thankful for good news. That we are good news people. That you have not punished us as our sins deserve. But Jesus, who never sinned, died in our place to take on sin's penalty so that we can be forgiven. So I'm thankful for all those in this room that know Jesus, they can proclaim there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ, that nothing can separate us from your love, that you loved us first, so now we can love you back, that we don't have to earn your favor, you've given it to us freely, even though it costs Jesus very much. We're thankful that he is the mediator between God and man. Those in this room today that walked in with anxiety and just a lot of fear for the future and marriage problems, parenting anxieties, whatever's happening in this room right now, financial concerns, Lord, I ask that we will all lean into you, the one who never leaves us nor forsakes us, and we'll believe in your promises, that we are always in your hand, that you are the good shepherd who always cares for his sheep. We ask you to forgive our sins. You help us uh, not believe that there's more to be gained by disobeying you than there is to be gained by obeying you. That will help us believe that life is found in you, not in all the other things we try to find as substitute gods. We pray for all the churches in Tallahassee as they gather today, knowing that we're not alone doing this, that you use every church in this community to proclaim your love through Jesus. I ask you to keep the enemy out of this place and out of our city, be with our missionaries around the world, maybe the people in Israel right now, that terrorism and evil can be defeated. And Lord, we ask we'll trust in you, knowing the one, you the one who will reign forever. Speak to me this morning, we ask the name of Jesus. Amen. So we're in Acts 23, and here's the story we are told. This is Paul talking. He says, I'm being judged. Like, I'm being judged here in this city. Why? Not because I was harsh. Not because I was cruel. Not because I was condemning. Not because I was judgmental. I'm being judged because of what I believed. Because of the hope of the resurrection of the dead. 
Because Jesus rose from the grave, I'm proclaiming to others if they want to rise from the grave one day, as in heaven being a real place where real people go, they must trust in the one who rose from the tomb. They must believe in Easter Sunday, believe that Jesus was the one he claimed to be. I'm being judged because of what I believe. Notice he doesn't say it's because he's not winsome enough, even though you should strive to be. Notice he doesn't say because he's not compassionate enough, even though we should all strive to be compassionate because Jesus was compassionate. I'm being judged because of the hope of the resurrection of the dead. We're told in 1 Corinthians that the gospel, the story of Jesus, is foolishness to those who are perishing, to those without hope, to those who don't know Jesus, but to us it is the source of all of life. So when he said this, a dispute broke out between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, two religious groups, and the assembly was divided. What do you know? 2023 is not the first time people have ever been divided. It It has existed ever since sin entered in the world. For the Sadducees, they were more liberal. They took things away from the Bible they didn't like. Say there's no resurrection. That Easter's not true. We won't rise one day and neither angel nor spirit. But the Pharisees, who were more fundamentalists, they believed the Bible, but their issue was they would try to add things to it and add rules and laws. But in terms of essential truths of the Old Testament, they were very schooled and believed these things. They affirmed them all. They know the Bible pointed to a future resurrection, a future life, a future kingdom. So the shouting grew loud. Not the first time people have ever been angry. It's not, it's not right now. And some of the scribes of the Pharisees' party got up and argued vehemently. We find nothing evil in this man. What if a spirit or an angel has spoken to him? We don't want to get in the way of that. What he's saying is true. We believe in the resurrection of the dead. When the dispute became violent, the commander feared that Paul might be torn apart by them. This is not 2023 words or violence. They mean actual violence. Like he'd actually be torn apart. Like he would die a gruesome death, and ordered the troops to go down and take him away from them and bring him into the barracks to protect him. The following night, so he survived, listen to these words, the Lord stood by him. What a thought to comprehend. The Lord actually stood by him and said, have courage. Have courage. I am here with you, so you need to be courageous. For as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, yes, you've come to this hostile place and preached the good news, guess what? You're not done yet. It's necessary for you to testify in Rome, that strategic city where all of life happens. That's where you're going next, and you don't have to be afraid. Why? Because I'm standing right next to you. See, here's Paul being judged and threatened to almost his life because of what he believes. See, the Sadducees believed in no resurrection, The Pharisees would have said, yes, a resurrection. What makes them mad is when Jesus is declared to be the one who gives resurrection to the dead. They rejected Jesus as the Messiah, but believed a Messiah one day would come. They just refused to believe it was the Christ. So a lot of hostility. And what's the conventional wisdom? What would you have done if your life's on the line? I know what I would have done, just being honest. I'm a talker, loud, extroverted. I'd have shut my mouth probably. I'd have been really quiet. I'd have gone on my phone. Watch highlights from Miami's double overtime win against Clemson last night. That's what I would have been doing. But here's the message. I'm with you. Keep going. I've never left you is the truth for every believer to claim in the scriptures. That God is with us and never leaves us. 
God says, keep going, have courage. Why? Not because you're some, gonna find something deep inside yourself. Not because you're brave. Not because you're gonna pull up the bootstraps and seize the day. But because I am with you. My presence is here and it's real and it's now. So what's Paul given in the hostility? He's given what I'm just gonna call a divine reassurance. That God is reminding him and reassuring him that he is not alone. And here as believers, we are dependent on the reality that God is with us. When it comes corporately to our church and this vision the Lord has given us, we are dependent upon the reality that God is with us. If he's not, our efforts are so limited. They're likely worthless even in the end if it's just of us. So for let's go to see our kids space doubled and Create a space where our high school, our thriving high school and ministry, a high school and middle school ministry can meet to keep reaching campus. We had almost 400 college students here on Tuesday night for our Salt Never College ministry this past week. Isn't that incredible? And we got, we got missionaries around the world. We're baptizing 49 people between three services today. We've been seeing over 2,000 people here on a Sunday morning in Tallahassee. And that matters because every person is not a number but a name and a face who has made the image of God and Jesus came to die for, and that God pursues and loves. But all these efforts, even the things we get excited about, if God's not with us, if he's not the one calling and working and directing, we will fall flat on our faces and rightly should. But since he is with us, we can have courage to keep going. So the Pharisees, yes, a resurrection. The Sadducees, no, a resurrection. The conventional wisdom would be to be quiet, but here God is giving him a divine reassurance. And we continue to have that with us here today. So we see in this passage as a description and a command. The description is that the Lord stood by him. That's what we're told. The Lord stood by Paul in the hostility, and what did he tell him? The command, take courage. So we have courage because Christ is with us. But not just courage, we also have comfort knowing that Christ is with us. Because it means we're never alone. You've had moments in your life, I am sure, where the grief was too much to bear, where you felt like you were alone, where you wondered, will this ever change? And the truth is, God does not promise you that it will change, this side of heaven, but he does promise you that through all of those times, you were never alone. Even if other people neglected you and forgot about you, or just did the conventional helped you for like a day and then moved on with their lives, God never left you, whether you realized it or not. Marriage in shambles right now, God is still with you. Anxious about what's happening with how you're going to pay the bills and prepare for the future? Know that God is with you. Trying to figure out how you're going to raise two, three, four kids by yourself? God is with you. Things going really well right now? Guess what? It's not of you. God is with you. We take courage and we take comfort. But these things are not just sentimental. Because we can't base our hope on sentimentality. Because that's here today and gone tomorrow. We're not coffee cup religion here. We base it on truth. And it might be easy to go, okay, well, 
he stood next to Paul and told him, take courage. Does that just apply to Paul? Are you like stretching this to make it all about us today, that God's with us? And like, how does that, how does that translate? Well, there's a reason why the Bible's meant to be read in harmony together rather than isolated scriptures. So we see the Bible as one continuous story pointing us to God's realities, God's truth, ultimately understood in Jesus and the building of his church to take his mission to the world. So as we see the scriptures, we see Jesus after he gives the great commission, which is when he told his followers to go into the world and to preach the good news of Christ. He told them this. He didn't say good luck. He didn't say you're on your own. He said, and remember, as in hold on to this in your mind and heart, recall this, I'm with you always. Not I'm with you as long as you're acting like you should. I'm with you always. How long? Just when you need it? Until everything's resolved? No. To the end of the age. When we say he never leaves us nor forsakes us, that is not Christian cliche. That is the truth of the scriptures. This story of Paul should lead us to pray for our brothers and sisters who are being torn to pieces in hostile countries towards the gospel across the world. We should pray that God would stand by them, that he would give them peace we can't even comprehend, that he would give them courage to continue for Christ. We also should pray for ourselves and for our church, that when we face trials and opposition, even threats against us, that we would have courage in Christ, that we would keep going. Pray for those that have tragedies strike their life that creates doubt, they would remember that God is with them. We live in a fallen and broken world, and one day Satan, sin, and death, and pain will all be defeated. But in the meantime, we live in the here and now, and he never leaves us. Would we pray that people of this church family and other Christians in Tallahassee would stay committed to Christ through the trials. We would remember that we, we should pray that we remember, like Jesus said, we remember that we're never alone, that he is with us. It's our baptism Sunday which means a shorter sermon, so shout out to you all who are here today for that. No one's ever complained a sermon was too short. And on Baptism Sunday, it's seeing people declaring a hope that Jesus really is our salvation, that he really is the way, the truth, the life. And we also see people declaring an allegiance, that their allegiance is to King Jesus. He's our Savior and he's our Lord. I'd love for you after the service not to sprint to the car and get to witness this amazing thing we call Baptism Sunday of seeing folks declare their faith in Christ publicly. But what does Paul say? He says, I'm being judged. Why? Because of my allegiance. Because of my hope of the resurrection of the dead. You see, let's go is a call away from casual Christianity where it just doesn't really mean much, like you'd claim to be a Christian if somebody asked you, and by that you just basically mean you're not an atheist and you're not of another religion and you try to be a good person or something like that, but it doesn't mean very much, doesn't require much, doesn't demand much. Now, I'm not the judge of who's a Christian, who's not, nor do I want to be, but to move out of a cultural nominal Christianity to actually following Jesus and it mattering is actually going to take courage in our first world context. Because following Jesus really does mean things are going to change. It means that faith is really going to matter. It's not going to be just a hobby or a moral compass or a good luck charm, that it's going to be a conviction that drives your life. And nominal Christians won't get it. They'll think you're strange, that you've changed, you're not like you used to be. 
they don't think that they're not a Christian and you are. They just think like you're really into your religion. You're the person who gets asked to pray at Thanksgiving, basically, because you say good prayers or something like that. Things are going to change. But people who aren't at all anything, like not even nominal Christians, are gonna, who are hostile to the gospel will think that you're toxic or you're part of the problem. and That's nothing new. Paul was judged because of simply what he believed. But the reality is that God is with you. So we should take courage to follow the one who pursued and came after us. Christmas is coming up way too soon. I'm actually kind of pumped for it. I shouldn't say way too soon. It comes fast. Some of y'all decorate like the day after Halloween. You need to slow your roll a little bit. But um, I had a buddy text me the other day that they watched their first Christmas Hallmark movie of the year. I'm like, I hope your power goes out. That is just too early. It's too early. But Christmas is the story of God showing us that he is with us once and for all because he pursued us, that he came to earth. That baby born in the manger would grow up and live a life that we could never live and die to death that we deserved to reconcile us to himself. So for us to live out the Christian faith in our city, from our church, for our city, and to the world, it's gonna take a renewed posture of courage. Because courage is not just about being brave. There's more to it than that. It frees us to live as the people of God and live out as the mission of God. And we're going to be marked by joy, not by anger or culture wars. Because we believe that God is always with us and that God is always near. See, every era kind of, 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 of the, we could say, season of history stares in the face of the church. What are they going to say? Are they for real? Are they relevant? What are they going to do about this? And the reality is because Jesus is with us, we can view anything that comes our way without fear. And we can see it as an opportunity, even an urgency. When folks say, well, culture's just gotten so bad and society's gotten so bad, my first thing is culture's never been great in a fallen world. The myth of a golden era is just false. If we could just get back to the old days, like when, when white people and black people drank from different water fountains, it's always been bad. It's always been bad. But where it's always been bad, there's always been a bright light shining, and that is Christ through the church. The city on a hill is not America, it's the church to shine bright for Jesus. And we hear about the culture and society being this and that, our response is, what an opportunity. What an opportunity to share God's love at your school, to share God's love with your neighbor, to share God's love on social media, to point people towards Jesus amidst all the baloney coming at us all the time. Are we excited and encouraged for this opportunity to live in this moment, in this era, in this age, or are we intimidated and paralyzed? See, let's go is a big vision to seize on this cultural moment as people who believe in the resurrection of the dead, that believe God's two greatest institutions, the family and the church, are worth, are worth building and preserving and moving forward for this good news. So how do you go forward in kind of a first world context where courage might look a little bit different than it does in other parts of the world? I think it's that you go forward with God's promises for us. That isn't unique for Paul, the promise that God is with him. Book of Hebrews, chapter 13, we see a theme throughout the scriptures. The writer warns, keep your life free from the love of money. 
I mean, even an unbeliever can agree with that. Money mess. How, how many families have been ruined because of money? Destructive decisions have been made because of money. Current bad situations people are in is because of a love of money. God's looking out for us here. And also, he doesn't want us to worship something that's not him. He doesn't say that money's bad. Money's what he uses to fuel his mission across the world and for us to provide for our families. It's not money that's the problem. It's the love of money. He says, be satisfied with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you or abandon you. What's he telling them? He's not saying never be ambitious or try to work for more money. He's not saying that. I think there's a godly ambition. There's a godly drive. He's saying, be satisfied with what you have. What do you have? God never leaving you or abandoning you. Like, our message should not change if we go to a third world country and talk to Christians. It's the same Bible for the same people of God. He's saying, if you're not satisfied in Christ, there's a reason why you're loving other things. I will never leave you or abandon you. There's that theme. Therefore, we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. So I'm not going to be afraid. What can man do to me? Paul said, for me to live as Christ, to die is gain. If I live, great, I'll live for Jesus. If I die, okay, I'll go be with him in heaven forever. See, fear is such a powerful emotion that when we allow it to take over, it drives our commitment to Christ and his church often out of our hearts and out of our minds. It dictates what we do. We see this theme again, the Lord commissioned Joshua, son of Nun. This is hundreds and hundreds of years before Paul. Be strong and courageous. Why? Because you're going to dig deep down inside again? No. For you will bring the Israelites into the land I swore to them. And here's why you're going to be courageous. I'll be with you. I'll be with you. So what does it mean for us practically to have the presence of God with us at all times? Jonathan Lehman, a pastor in D.C., wrote this. That knowing that God is generous and faithful to his promises helps us be strong and courageous because we can trust his character as we pour out our lives for him. This means as Christians, we can be generous with our money and our time, knowing that God cares for us, and he will provide for us. We don't have to worry. It means we can take the gospel to tough neighborhoods and hostile nations, knowing that God will keep his promises that his sheep in those neighborhoods and nations will hear his voice, and nothing can separate us from his love. So don't fear. This means we can have the courage to be faithful as parents and spouses, doing what is right in those relationships day after day, even though the results are not always visible. So don't be anxious. Take courage. Imagine being Paul. If you're not familiar with maybe Bible study, Paul, before he converted to Christianity, before God radically saved him, he was basically a professional destroyer of Christianity, even overseeing murders of Christians, martyrdom. So if anyone knows What's going to happen if you keep talking about Jesus? It's Paul. Because he used to be the one that made it happen to people. So imagine him in this moment. If anyone knows what happens to Christians in persecution, he does. Yet he keeps going. Not because he was a varsity level five-star Christian, but because God was with him. John Piper says that Christian hope is simply this, that God cannot be overthrown. Listen to this description of God in Isaiah 46. Remember what happened long ago. For I am God and there is no other. I am God and no one is like me. 
I declare the end from the beginning and from long ago what is not yet done, saying my plan will take place and I will do all my will. That same God who's sovereign over all of history is also the one who is with us. He cannot be overthrown. Therefore, the cause of God cannot be overthrown and the people of God cannot be overthrown. Why? For I am persuaded, Romans 8, that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth and in case I left anything out nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. People who, when they get knocked down, they stand back up by God's grace. When their feelings are hurt or they're ignored or criticized, they keep on serving the Lord in the church. When they're excluded from plans because of their faith, they don't have a pity party, but they go forward with joy in knowing following Jesus is worth it. When they see an opportunity to put their resources in God's design, the local church, it flows from their hearts. And seeing people get baptized gives us that divine reassurance that God is with us and working and moving. So what's Paul gonna do because of God being with him? He's gonna go to Rome. He's gonna go to Rome. And what are we going to do? We're gonna keep going from our church for the city and to the world with the greatest story that's ever been told, that of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Our Father, we are grateful for your love for us. We're thankful that while we were sinners, Christ died for us, that nothing can separate us from your love, your love for your people, that we are counted as part of your family. So I ask that we will be faithful to that, that we will not believe the lies that this world is better than you. I'm thankful you've given us great things to enjoy in our world. I'm thankful you've provided for us, given us families and homes and places to eat and Fun things to enjoy like sports and movies. We're just thankful for the common grace of good things you blessed us with. But we know that none of those things are ultimate things. Let us be people that seek and find the one who is always with us. The one who found us first. We're thankful you're the God who seeks, who pursues, who carries out your purposes and have saved a people for yourself, for your glory, and for your mission. Let us believe that's the greatest thing on earth. Thank you for baptisms, all we get to celebrate. Thankful for all, in the name of Jesus. Amen.